You all knew you were peculiar. You didn't need Peter to tell you that. I love, though, you are peculiar because you are called, you are set apart by God. And that's strange to the world. You who did not receive mercy now have mercy. It's just beautifully written. Thank you, Mary Carol, for reading it so beautifully as well. God, God is like, oh, I, I am so in awe of what he can do. I'm so in awe of how he can use us. Like, have you met us? I'm a screw-up man, and God still says, no, no. <laughs> Come on. Watch. Watch and see what I can do in your life. And not only what I can do in your life, in my life, but what I can do for others through your life. You know that, maybe some of you have sung, sung it, I'm sure. Joy, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean, right? Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. So last week, as you, as you know, if you were here or if you joined us on the live stream, last week we had the accepted candidate uh, Micah preached because we were gone on furlough, uh, and and Micah started our series off as what we're looking at foundation, and also so you know, uh, like last week he preached about love, and that's kind of like my thing. So I very much can, you can tell I trust Micah bringing the word of God, and I know that last week he brought the word of God, uh, and I pray that you are all blessed. By it. But as, as I was looking at and thinking what to do after Easter, I realized that before Easter, we, we, we did a, a little two-week mini-series where we talked about reading your Bible and praying every day, how you'll grow, grow, grow. And then we went into Palm Sunday and Easter being the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ and celebrating what that means for us. And I realized, well, those are foundational pieces to our faith. So I want to go a little deeper into those foundations. Last week, again, we talked about loving. And for us believers, like you can't be a believer in Christ and not love, like you have to love people in order to be grafted into the family of God. Like that's a pretty big thing we have to do, right? That's one of the fruits of the spirit. That's one of the things that, that Jesus commands. He says, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? You know this. What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the next being love your neighbor as yourselves. Why? Because all the prophets, all the laws, those two things encompass all of that. So what's another foundational piece? 
holiness. And friends, I'm here to tell you that there are many in our faith who do not preach holiness. (laughs) Amen. But we are a holiness people. We believe that not only did Jesus die and rose from the dead so that we could be saved, so that we could have salvation, we believe, we believe that in that act, the temple curtain ripped from the top to the bottom and God was fully unleashed. And we believe on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit filled that room so that they may experience holiness. Not only do we believe that, we believe that happens now. Holiness is what God calls us to. He saves us so that we, through his holiness, might save others. So why then? Why? Let me, let me, let me take a moment. Hopefully I've already convinced you, but if not, I'm going to double down on this. Why does God call us to holiness? Or why should we become holiness? Uh, become holy. If you look at Leviticus 19, 1 and 2, back right in the first five books of the Bibles, of the Bible, Leviticus 19, 1 and 2 says this, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. So we see from very early on, God commanding Moses, go talk to the assembly Tell them to be holy because I am holy. And I can see, right, captain, captain, though, captain, hold up. That's in Leviticus. So that was part of the Levitical code. It was, about, it was for the Levites, right? It was just for the priesthood. So it's not necessarily for us, right? Well, let me... Turn you to Peter. And 1 Peter 1 reiterates this proclamation from God. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter takes Leviticus and says, yeah, that thing that maybe you thought was just for the Levites. No, no, no. That's for all who believe. Be holy is I am holy. It's not just for the priesthood. It's not just for those who wear fancy clothes with red epaulets on it. It is for all of us. We are all, as was read earlier, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for the purpose of our holy creator. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says this, For God has not called us for impurity, 
but in holiness. So we see these verses that it is a commandment from our creator. He commands us to do it. But even more than that, even more than a command in order to go, if that's not enough for you from God to say you should do this, it's also like good for us. <laughs> like practically, it is good for the way we live to live in holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says this, Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We don't walk around contaminated with things that will weigh us down, that will ultimately lead to our demise, because sin is death, and holiness brings new life. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. Now, that everything's important because so often in our life, we allow the Holy Spirit to purify us. But then we say, but this little piece is mine. It's mine. Or maybe this little piece is too big for me to get over it. And to get, get it out of my life. And I'm here to tell you today, there is nothing, nothing too difficult for the Holy Spirit. Nothing too big that God cannot move. Nothing. You struggle with addiction? Have you met Micah? And his testimony. Friends, I've been very honest with you. And working through my own addiction. And how God has to have to continually is delivering me. But also me continually turning it over to him and saying, please, please help me here. Because I'm not big enough. It is. Amazing to me that we trust God with our salvation, and yet when it comes to our holiness, we feel like we got to work our way out of it, and God is saying, no, 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 I'm here with you. Let's do this together. You are not alone, you are not abandoned, you are mine First John four or First John one four says this: You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So not only is it good for us, however, it's also good for others. It's good for our family. It's good for our friends. It's good for everyone that comes in contact with us. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says this, right? What was just read earlier, this is the next two verses after that. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify 
God on the day he visits us. May you live in such a way that people think you're peculiar. Hopefully I've convinced you of why. Now the question is, though, is how? Like holiness is this big thing and we conflate holiness into something that it's not necessarily. Because you say to me sometimes when we talk about this holiness, I, there's no way I could be perfect. Hold on, hold on. Right? Because we equate then holiness and perfection, we equate that to, well then I will, I, there's no way I could never not sin again. Or that I can't do all of this perfectly, that I'm going to screw up because that's kind of what we do. We're real good at that. But I'm here to tell you, hold on. Hold on. Ephesians 4.17 says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Holiness is one about changing our thinking. Allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify our mind. So often, and hear me, because it's a little bit of confession time. So often we think things about others without taking the time to fully comprehend or understand where they are coming from and what is happening in their lives. We automatically assume things and dismiss people may God change our thinking may we see others as God does as those who are worthy whether they know it yet or not whether they are in full rebellion against God or not God loves them the same either way and we don't get to choose For God has already chosen. He chose all of us. And God has since commanded us to also choose all of us. No matter what we look like. No matter what we sound like. No matter our background. No matter how much resources we have. No matter how little or more talent we have. No matter any of that. No matter how many, I always make this joke, hair follicles we have. God chooses all of us and reiterates to us that you are my children. You are family, which means whether you like it or not, we're related. We must change our thinking. We must allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify our minds. But it's not just that. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death 
on a cross. Like Jesus, we believe it. It's in our doctrines, right? We believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. We believe he's 100% God, 100% man. That equals 100% Jesus. It's that funny math. Same to go with the Trinity, right? It's, It's that funny math that God pulls off. And yet, Jesus being 100% God and 100% man did not take advantage of his Godship. Humbled himself. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us who, is placed, who are placed around the community in different places in some kind of leadership role? Because all of us are placed in some kind of leadership role in some way. What does that mean for us? We should not take advantage of our position, but humble ourselves, sharing the love of Christ with all. Remember, I don't get to choose. Ephesians 4.22 says this, You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. All right, so we must renew our mind. We must put off our old self. It is being corrupted by deceitful desires. You have desires that that crop up, right, that you, you think, I deserve that, or I need that, or I... There's this desire to do or get that. I deserve that because... My neighbor's got a great riding lawnmower. I should have that too. It's not a great example, but you, you get one. It's deceitful because it places value on external things. It places more highly value on external things rather than the internal, eternal movement of God. Let us not be deceived. By our desires that are stirred up by emotions and stirred up by what we think we deserve. Again, Jesus, being in nature God, humbled himself. What you think you deserve, Christ hung on a cross. Did he deserve that? He saved a wretch like me. We've got to sometimes step back from what we think we deserve and recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit. Is there anything more powerful? Is there anything more powerful than a child of God who knows their place in the body of Christ and who humbly execute the gifts that God has given them, given full glory to their creator. Is there anything more powerful than that? Because that, that's where the Holy Spirit moves. He can't use us if we're puffed up on how talented we are or what we think we deserve. He can't use us fully. 
So we must put off our old self. But it doesn't stop there. Ephesians 4.24. Now that we put off our old self, well, what, what do we do now? Put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We must put on our new self. Okay. What does that mean? Like we get a new skin suit every day? I was like, oh, I don't know the exact number, right? But ever so often because, you know, our dead scales fling off. We, I mean, that, right? We're new every, however long that takes for our dead skin cells to flake off, right? That's, I don't think that's what the scripture's talking about. So what does that mean? You know, when I read this, when I think about putting on the new self, I always come to Ephesians. Is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says there at the end, finally, this is his final, like, finally, this is, I need this to stick with you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may, may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of Jesus. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put on the new self. Put on the armor of God. But I want to take that scripture and I want to kind of turn it a little. As you look at and you, and you read the armor of God, put on the belt of truth. What is truth? Jesus is our truth. Put on the belt of Jesus. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. What is our righteousness but Christ Jesus? Put on the breastplate of Jesus Christ. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace but Jesus? May your feet be fitted with Jesus. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of Jesus. I want you to think of it like this. You get up in the morning and you put on the armor of God. You are putting your Jesus suit on. Truth comes from Christ. Righteousness comes from Christ. Peace comes from Christ. You want to put on the new self? That's what that is. It's putting our Jesus suit on today. Now, I don't mean like wear t-shirts that have scripture on it or wear uniforms. I'm talking spiritually putting on the attitude of 
Christ. Because when the enemy takes shots at you, you will be able to stand firm. This morning, as Evangeline comes back to the piano, how is your holiness? Are you connected with the Holy Spirit? Have you allowed him to renew your mind? Have you allowed him to pull off the old self, which is deceitful, and to put on Jesus? As the piano plays, won't you come to the altar today? Because holiness is a continual journey. And God is continually working on you and me. I've been here four years with you guys. And I am not the same person I was four years ago. God continually whittles away the things that are not him. This morning, won't you come? Holiness unto the Lord.